to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC. The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar, book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM at WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We go up until 610. Then it's Red Sox baseball. Sox looking to get at least one game here this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. First pitch, 710. Josh Winkowski on the mound against Shane McClanahan. Um, I spoke to Tom Karen of Nesson earlier today. I spoke with Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio earlier today. Both those interviews will be available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. You'll hear some of their commentary here on this show. Now, there is some breaking news that I just want to get to quickly. If you are a Red Sox fan, this should, one, infuriate you, and two, make you pretty happy. All at the same time, the Kansas City Royals are getting set to go to Toronto to play a series with the Blue Jays, right? We know unvaccinated players cannot go to Canada. This is not something new here. Well, up until today, 25 total players across baseball, 25 total players across baseball had not been allowed to go to Canada to play the Blue Jays. So you got 30 teams, you got take 29 because you got the Blue Jays out of it. So 29 other teams, so far 25 players in total, had not been allowed to go to Canada. The Kansas City Royals have 10 players unvaccinated and not going north of the border. Why should this infuriate you if you are a Red Sox fan? Well, the Toronto Blue Jays are battling you right now, nip-tuck, for the wild card positioning. The Toronto Blue Jays are now going to be essentially given multiple easy wins against this Royals team. The Royals are losing three of their top four hitters and their best two pitchers in this series. They have no catchers. They have one vaccinated outfielder. And I'm not one who says, oh, the the, the Blue Jays need to play in the States to avoid this. Everybody makes their choices. The Blue Jays have a chance to be at a competitive advantage this year. Guess what? They were at a competitive disadvantage the last two years when they had no home for most of the last two years. So I, I don't I don't look here and say, oh, this is unfair. But if I'm a Red Sox fan looking at this from a purely baseball standpoint, I am infuriated that the team I am playing is now going to get multiple wins that maybe they would not have gotten before. They're going to probably sweep the Royals without their two best pitchers, without three of their best four hitters. I mean, you look at it, Whit Merrifield's not going. Salvador Perez is hurt. He does he's not saying he's unvaccinated because we don't know, but he's hurt, so he's not playing. Andrew Benatendi, their all-star, he's not going. He's unvaccinated. And then uh, Michael Taylor, their center fielder, speed demon, he's not going. He's unvaccinated. Brady Singer, their best pitcher, he's not going. Unvaccinated. It's just from a baseball standpoint only. If you are a Red Sox fan, you should be you should be furious here because these are games that now are going to impact the playoff race, right? When when the Mariners or the White Sox go there in April, it doesn't feel like it's impacting the playoff race. When it's the middle of July and it's right before the All-Star break and the Red Sox and Blue Jays are nearly identical in the standings, now it feels like it's real. Now it feels like it's impacting you. 
And it's one thing when you impact yourself, like Jaron Duran or Tanner Howe. It's another thing when you when you see something happening on the outside and you have no control over it. So that should infuriate you as a Red Sox fan. The thing that should make you happy is that there's no way now the Yankees can trade for Andrew Benatendi, right? There's no way. Andrew Benatendi, if you are a Red Sox fan who, A, just does not want to see Benatendi wear a Yankees uniform, or B, just don't want to see the Yankees get better by adding Benatendi, you can't you can't trade for Benatendi now if you're New York, can you? I mean, unless you get an assurance that he's going to get vaccinated, and you can't trade for him. And that would be very good news for the Red Sox fans. You don't want to see the Yankees get better. You don't want to see Benny wear those ugly pinstripes. So th- this one is a breaking news story. Ten Royals unvaccinated, not going to play the Blue Jays. It impacts the playoff race, but Ben Attendee doesn't end up going uh, to New York. I'm sure out of this, again, unless he gives an assurance that he's going to get vaccinated. We got some stuff on the Red Sox, some stuff on the Patriots as well. You can get in Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, my Twitter account, all of them are open. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts in the Brady Farkas show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They are online at sticksandstuff.com. You know, right now, we should be talking about Chris Sale's return. This show should be leading with Chris Sale's return. But we're not. And that is so so frustrating instead of talking about sale we're talking about just another game that the red sox gave away the red sox now have 19 blown saves this season that's the second most in baseball the red sox last night threw the ball all over the yard in the sixth inning the red sox got picked off third base the Red Sox, got, Red Sox got beat by a lineup featuring a bunch of so-so players or players that you've never heard of. Last night was unacceptable. To lose that game that way to that lineup. Look, Taylor Walls and Yu Chang and Brett Phillips sitting 7-8-9 for the Rays, and you lost. To, you cannot lose to that lineup. You just can't. And you can't lose to that team twice in a row because the Rays threw out a lackluster lineup to you on on Monday night and you lost. And you can't lose those games in advance of when you have to face Shane McClanahan, the guy who probably should start the All-Star game for the American League, a guy who has an ERA of 1.73. So you lost two games to a division rival. You lost two games to a to a rival in the wild card race. You lost two games to a sub to a uh, subpar lineup, and you lost two games in advance of a game you knew was going to be next to impossible going in. The Red Sox here are now in a position to have lost the first three of this series and get beaten again by an AL East rival. The Red Sox are a good team. I believe that. That is why last night is so frustrating. 
because last night's version of the Rays just is not better than you. I expect so much more from this Red Sox team than what we saw last night. Another blown save, multiple errors. It is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And after the game, I appreciate Alex Cora taking the rap, taking the fall for Alex Verdugo getting picked off third base. I do, but he shouldn't have to do it. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we play a little bit different today, and that's on me. You know, if, if, if anything, you know, we don't we don't play that brand of baseball. Um, but you know, with the personnel we had and where we were in the in the in the inning, and the guys that were available and were not, you know, we try we were trying to advance runners, and uh, you know, he got picked up. You know, my job is to put guys in situations to be successful, and we haven't played this brand of baseball in a while, and uh, maybe you know, that's on me right now. Sure, you haven't played small ball in a while. Okay. And, I, again, I appreciate Alex Cora doing that, standing up for his guys. But guess what? Last night was still baseball. There was still baseball common knowledge that should have been had and wasn't. Alex Verdugo is a multi-year pro. He should just know inherently that when you have a safety squeeze on, the bunt needs to be gotten down before you start dancing off a of third base and you need to get back to the bag. He should know that. So when Cora says, oh, we haven't played this way in a while, so be it. I could go out in the men's league this week and know that. Hey, safety squeeze. I'm not moving until the ball gets down, and if it doesn't get down, I'm getting back to the bag. I'm not hanging out. Franchi Cordero should know how to get the ball back into the infield without throwing it all over the yard. You don't need Alex Cora's help with that kind of stuff. Like, mental mistakes, mental lapses cannot undo you. If a team is just better or a pitcher is just better, like McClanahan will be tonight, that's one thing. But to beat yourself, you can't do it. And you really can't do it against this team in this situation. You shouldn't have lost the game. You lost the game in the standings you shouldn't have lost. You're now trailing the Rays when you shouldn't be in the wild card race and another series against an AL East opponent that you haven't won. The Red Sox are now 11-22 and within their division, and you can't get to the playoffs pulling a 333 winning percentage against your division. You just can't. Last night, sixth inning, bad baseball. Not in a playoff race. This is a playoff race. This is the middle of July. There's less than half the schedule left. You have the hardest schedule remaining. You cannot afford to give games away that were wins. You're going to lose games later in the year just because your schedule is so hard. You can't be giving away wins, and you gave away a win last night. Uh, text from Phil in Middlesex who says, Trade Xander Bogarts. This team isn't going anywhere, Phil. I don't want to trade Xander Bogarts. I think that this Red Sox team is worth investing in, not breaking down at this point. They're still right there. It's why last night was so frustrating. They're still good, and they're going to get better. Sale was good. Waka's coming back. Whitlock's coming back this weekend. Evaldi's coming back this weekend. They're going to make some kind of move at the deadline. This is the time to make yourself better, not worse. So, no, I'm not trading away Xander Bogarts. I want to compete. And I think that they can. I think they're better than Seattle. I know they're better than Baltimore. 
They're better than the White Sox right now. They can make the playoffs and do damage when they get there, but they've got to win games like last night in order to get there. And if I was going to sell, I'd be selling J.D. Martinez a whole lot quicker than selling Xander Bogarts. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Buster was spot on last night about Chris Sale. He seemed dialed. Uh, he seemed dialed in and a separate note fundamentals shouldn't be an issue in July I agree completely unfortunately the Red Sox have dropped too many games this year to subpar teams it just won't get it done they have dropped too many games to subpar teams getting beat by the Reds in that one game I know it was one but they got beat by the Reds when the Reds were awful they got beat by Baltimore multiple series when the Orioles were awful prior to the O's being good. They've been beaten by the White Sox. They got swept by the White Sox in Chicago, and right now the White Sox are not good. I mean, who else we got that, I, that I'm missing here off the top of my head who the Red Sox have struggled against that was no good this year? I mean, they got pummeled by the Angels early in the year. Angels were good then, I give them that. But the Angels are going to end up being not very good. You just can't have it. You cannot have last night. On the positive, it was Chris Sale. Okay, I, There are no moral victories in this. You needed to win last night. You needed to hold on to that game. So I don't take a moral victory, but Chris Sale was good. In fact, he looked really good. And he looked a lot better. Not a lot. He looked better than I anticipated the velocity was better. I told you last night, I thought he'd be 93, 94 miles an hour consistently. He was 95, 96 a lot. The velocity was good. He was hitting 97 in his final inning in the fifth. Slider had good break. He threw the changeup, which had good velocity to it and good movement. He threw all his pitches like we said he had to. I like that. But more importantly, I loved Sales' demeanor and his attitude. He was walking around last night like he owned the mound, like he was Chris Sale, like he was the Chris Sale of old. I don't know if Chris Sale right now is built to last. I have no idea what we'll get for the rest of the year. I don't know if he can do what he did last night 12 more times and starts plus four or five more in the playoffs. I don't. But I've said all along, I think he's going to be a factor. And when he is a factor, the Red Sox are significantly better. Now, Sale has a big detractor in John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston. Even he was impressed. A lot better than I was expecting. You know, my thing last week when he was smashing up AAA dugouts was, I wonder if he is not confident in his stuff. That wasn't the case tonight. This is the best he has looked since you can go back to maybe that 17 strikeout game against the Rockies early in 2019. Definitely better than I thought. 100% better than I thought. Now, I take that back. 100% better than I thought. Again, I told you I thought he'd be fine. But he's definitely, he looked, he just looked better. The results are the results, but his actual look was better than I expected. He threw strikes, 53 strikes, 25 balls, more than two to one, perfect ratio. 12 of 19 on first pitch strikes, that's 63%. That's right around the 65% mark that all the analytics people covet. So he was around the zone, had the velo, worked quick had the demeanor on the mound. I liked everything I saw from Sale last night for the most part. For the most part, I liked everything I saw. 
A text comes in from Marco in Warren. What do you? What did you see in Bayo? Do you think he's the real deal? Was this just a bump in the road, or is he overhyped? We can't say he's overhyped. He's made two starts in the majors after making some. Someone can check on this. Something like five starts in AAA. I mean, this is a guy who has not been at the upper levels of the minors ever and then just got thrust to the majors because he had to because the team was so depleted. So for Bayo, he belongs at AAA right now. He got a taste of the majors. He can know what he needs to work on. But I think he is the real deal. And I think next year the Red Sox rotation battle is going to be fascinating. The Red Sox have a lot of arms, right? Sales there next year. Pavetta's there. Beyond that, what do you do? Bayo might be ready to step in and be a starter every fifth day. Winkowski, Seabold, uh, then what? Avaldi, Rich Hill, Walker, they're all free agents. Are you letting them all walk? Are you bringing any of them back? Then there's actual free agents that are on the market next year. Then there's uh, trade targets. So the, the next year is a fascinating rotational year for the Red Sox and what they do. Bayo could be a part of it, and he's going to get a chance to be a part of it. He's the best pitching prospect the Red Sox have had in the entire time that I've been here. I did speak with Tom Karen, right? Tom Karen, a Red Sox insider at Nesson, and we talked about how the news was pretty good on Chris Sale. The news is not good on Kike Hernandez, who has shut down his rehab shut down uh it won't be anytime soon i would safely assume that a best case scenario is you're talking well into august before any kind of return from him if he's not doing anything today and he's still just on the way to see the uh to see the specialist so the news not good on kike and that's noteworthy for a few different reasons one just kike not being there right kike's a good baseball player big part of what they have done over the last year and a half runs well very good defensively, good energy, was a spark in the playoffs, hit for a bunch of power. So Kike not being there is noteworthy because it's one less good player around. Two, it means the Kike, Duran, Ref Snyder triumvirate we've been so worried about just isn't an issue. Duran can stay and Ref Snyder can stay. It also means because he's going to stay, Duran's going to play more, and Duran hasn't been very good lately. He's won for his last 20. So that's also noteworthy. Duran is here, and he's won for his last 20. And then Kike is now untradeable. We had talked about Kike maybe being an asset to go fetch you something at the deadline, and he is now untradeable because of this injury. He's not going to get moved. So it's noteworthy there on a bunch of different fronts. Again, Tom Karen's interview, Freddie Coleman's interview, available on our podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll step aside briefly. I mean like 60 seconds kind of brief. We'll get into the Patriots. They traded away Nikhil Harry to the Chicago Bears. I'm happy for both sides. There's really only two things that matter to me moving forward. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots traded Nikhil Harry yesterday, the embattled wide receiver and former first-round pick. They 
send him to the Chicago Bears for a seventh-round pick in 2024. And honestly, the trade is good for both sides, and I'm happy for both sides. I'm not in the business of piling on athletes unnecessarily. We do our job in the media. We give you our opinions. We tell it honestly. And then there is a point where it's no longer productive to keep going back to the well. That's where I'm at with Nikhil Harry. Yes, he was a bust. He was bad in Foxborough. What happened here was embarrassing from a performance standpoint. And yes, the list of good wide receivers taken after him is huge. Nikhil Harry in Foxborough was a flop. But I am over that discussion. There is no need to go back to it over and over again. For me, there are a handful of things that matter now, and that is it. One, good that the Patriots got something for him. Two, good for Nikhil Harry. He didn't want to be here anymore. Three, why did all this happen? Why was Harry a flop? And four, how can we make sure it doesn't happen again? That is it. If you want to tell him, I'm not going to break down to you why Nikhil Harry was bad. Okay, He couldn't gain separation. He couldn't run this route. The offense was too hard. I'm not doing that. I'm interested in those four things. One, good that the Patriots got something for him. Nikhil Harry was going to get cut. So the fact that they got anything at all is beneficial. Okay, I know a seventh-round pick in two years isn't very good. Phil Perry, our friend at NBC Sports Boston, he called the return laughable. It's not alarming uh, because he's been so bad over the course of the last few years, but the return is... It's almost laughable. I mean, I'm actually surprised they got anything for him, but it's a seventh-round pick two years from now. And the way the NFL works is they devalue those things as time goes on. So it's about as small a return as you could get. Yes, the return, it might be laughable, but it was something. Okay, Nikhil Harry was not making this team. We have talked about the depth on this roster at wide receiver. Nikhil Harry wasn't making him. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, uh, Tyquan Thornton, Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson, Matthew Slay. They're all ahead of Harry. They, they are all ahead of Harry. So Nikhil Harry wasn't making this team. The fact that you got something for him at all, that is a benefit. Two, I am now happy for Nikhil Harry. He can now move on. He did not want to be here. He played last year. After requesting a trade, and I give him credit, okay, his representation gave him very bad advice last summer when he asked to be traded. Very bad advice. But he played when he was healthy, and he gave it his all. He did. Okay, the performance wasn't great. He's not a particularly good player, at least in New England, but he did, you know, he did give it his all last year. And while he was playing, I got to give him credit for that. He had a very big catch last year late in the season. I'm trying to figure out exactly where it was. Here it was. I think this is the Saturday night game against the Colts. Four-man rush. Jones heaves it. Going deep for Harry. He's got it! A big one to Nikhil Harry! There's a penalty flag back near the quarterback. Hang on. 
personal foul, roughing the passer, number 97. Defense, not the distance of the goal, will be added to the end of the play automatically. First down. So a 43-yard gain on Harry and then add on the roughing penalty. Yeah, so that was that game against the uh, against the Colts back on December 20th of last year. So while he was here, he tried hard. And again, this is not Little League. There's got to be more than that. But, again, I'm not piling on the guy. So, made a handful of plays. He gets a chance to start anew now. The Bears are a rebuilding team. The Bears have maybe the worst roster in the NFL. They have probably the worst receiver room in the NFL. He gets a chance to go there where he's not necessarily going to get forced out of the rotation. He can actually get on the field consistently. He can get an opportunity to grow. He gets a chance to play with an emerging quarterback again in Justin Fields. There aren't a million options ahead of him. See the field with some regularity. It's good for him as well. It's good for the Patriots to cut bait. It's good for the Patriots to get something. And it's good for Harry to get an opportunity. Three. Why did this happen? Okay. Why did this happen? And then subsequently, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again from a Patriots perspective? I think this happened to Nikhil Harry for a lot of different reasons. I am not in the business of giving out excuses to athletes, but let's recognize that Nikhil Harry had a lot of bad luck here in Foxborough. This isn't like he got himself in trouble or he came in out of shape. This isn't that. Nikhil Harry ran into some real bad luck. He's got some legitimate reasons why things didn't go his way. He got drafted in 2019, first preseason game against Detroit, immediately got hurt. Missed the first eight games of the season. I don't think we saw him until week 10. And at that point, Tom Brady had zero time for him. Tom Brady is in it for championships. He's not out to help rookies. He was about Edelman and Mohamed Sanu and James White and the guys that were veterans on that team. He he had no time for Nikhil Harry. So Harry got nothing out of his rookie year. He gets injured, misses all the time with Brady, and Brady passes him by as the season goes on. So his rookie year is a washout. Then 2020, I'm reading the stories. He's working out with personal coaches. He's running routes. He's getting better, and boom, COVID. Boom, COVID happens. Everything's shut down. He's still able to work out on his own, but he's not flying around the country. He's not meeting with this coach and that coach all over the place. He's not going to the Patriots facility. He's not getting time with the wide receivers coach. He's not getting one-on-one in the building with Josh McDaniels. He's not meeting with the quarterback. And, oh, Tom Brady leaves. We don't even know who the quarterback is. Then everything is so tightly run in the COVID season He's not getting extra reps after practice. You all told me that Cam Newton's terrible. That's his quarterback, and he's not getting extra reps with him. Then 2021, rookie quarterback, run first team, not a lot of opportunities there. He gets hurt in preseason again last year. He's out a bunch early. Like Nothing has gone well for Nikhil Harry in Foxborough. So when you look for why this happened to him, those are the reasons, as far as I'm concerned. It's not It's not as simple as Nikhil Harry sucks. He's physically gifted. He's young and athletic. There were there are things on the football field he could have done. He had, a, he had that 40-yard catch. He had a back shoulder catch from Brady against Dallas in the rain in his rookie year. He has the ability to do some good things. 
it never happened for him consistently here because all these things went against him. And maybe in Chicago, things won't go against him, and maybe they'll go his way. Yes, Nikhil Harry was a bust. I'm over-talking about it. Pats did well to move on. Harry does well to go to a place that maybe he has a little more value. And I think he had a real bad string of luck here in Foxborough. The question is for me, how do the Patriots make sure this doesn't happen again? How do you make sure you don't have Tyquan Thornton be the next Nikhil Harry? We'll talk about that after the CBS National News Update on WDEV AM and FM. On the WDEV radio app. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox lineup's coming up momentarily. Sox getting ready for the Rays, game three of four from the Trop. Sox looking to get their first win in this four-game set. They'll take on the star lefty, Shane McClanahan. We were talking about Nikhil Harry and the parts of the conversation that I care about now when it comes to Nikhil Harry is, yes, Nikhil Harry was a bust. The Patriots have drafted Tyquan Thornton this year in the second round. High draft capital on a wide receiver. How do they make sure that Tyquan Thornton does not become another Nikhil Harry? How do they do it? Because that's the part of the story that matters now. What did the Patriots do or not do that hurt Harry, and what can they do or not do to help Thornton at this point? The short answer is you can never be sure that you're not going to have a bust on your hands, right? You can never be sure that you're not going to repeat than a Keel Harry mistake. Drafting is an inexact science. It's hard. It's imperfect. You never really know. But I think the Patriots can do things to help Thornton be successful. One, I think Mac Jones being here will help Thornton be successful. Of course it's not. You know, it's not a true slight on Tom Brady, but Tom Brady, as I said, he doesn't have time for rookies. Mac Jones is a young guy. He's naturally going to gravitate to these young players. He's going to be more likely to get along with them, and he's going to be more likely to go out of his way to bring them into the fold. So Nikhil Harry never really got that attention from Tom Brady. I think Tyquan Thornton is going to get it from Mac Jones. I think that's important. I think this is a Patriots wide receivers room that is together and accommodating as well. Okay, Devontae Parker is new. He's not going to alienate. Thornton. He wants to make a good impression, so he's going to be accommodating. Jacoby Myers has always been accommodating. Kendrick Bourne seems to be great for team chemistry, so the guys in that room, I think, will be able to bring Tyquan Thornton into the fold in a way that maybe Harry didn't get in the past when Antonio Brown was on that team, and Edelman was on that team, and I think Edelman's a good guy, but he's Brady's guy. Then you look at other guys I just think this unit is more together. And then I think the Patriots coaches, again, who's not Josh McDaniels, who McDaniels is Brady's guy. These coaches need to find a way to get a use for Tyquan Thornton. I think the opportunities are there. You never know that he's not going to become the next Nikhil Harry. But there are things they can do to make it better for him than what happened for Harry here as well. Mac, I think, will be better. 
The receiver room, I think, will be pretty good. And this team will be able to uh, to go out. I think the coaches have to make a concerted effort to get Thornton involved because Harry became an afterthought after all the injuries. Someone wants to know if I'm starting pitching tonight baseball. No men's league baseball today. No men's league baseball today. Men's league baseball only on Sundays. The Red Sox are a half game behind the Rays now. Josh Winkowski on the mound. 3-3 three and three with a 4-3-5. Shane McClanahan 9-3 with a 1-7-3 for Tampa. Rob Refsnyder leads off in right. Rafi Devers at third. J.D. Martinez is back at the DH spot. Xander Bogarts at short. Alex Verdugo's in left. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. Bobby Dahlbeck's at first. Jeter Downs is at second. Jackie Bradley's in center. You notice no Jaron Duran against the lefty. No Trevor Story. He's hopefully doesn't need an injured, uh, an IL stint, but he said he did get hit right on the knuckle last night. Yandy Diaz is at third for the Rays. G-Man Choi at first. Harold Ramirez, the right fielder. Isaac Paredes at second. Jonathan Aranda, the DH. Randy Arozarena is the left fielder. Taylor Walls at short. Josh Lowe in center. Francisco Mejia is the catcher, and he bats ninth. Tom Karen and Freddie Coleman interviews available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. Big show tomorrow. I can't give it away yet, but you'll see it on my social media channels. Go Sox.